I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal, and I'm here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, who always warns us about the latest scams so that we can watch out for them and not fall for them. Hi, Vicki. Hi, Patty. Today, I'm going to share a story which is so unbelievable. It's hard to imagine it happened, but it did. And apparently, it's happening to a lot of people who you think would not fall prey to scams, and that is therapists. You know, that is surprising because you'd think they'd be aware of all the psychological tricks out there that scammers might play. And that's why I'm sharing this story. For one thing, it's really interesting. It also demonstrates what I've been saying, which is there is a scam for everyone. And it's just a matter of the scammer knowing enough about you to know what buttons to push. And that's why it's so important to watch what we put on social media. It seems that scammers are always using this information against us. So what happened in this case, Vicki? Well, I'm calling this the jury duty scam on steroids. And here's the headline. He held me hostage with no gun, but with his words. Who was the victim, Vicki? Well, that's the surprising part. The victim in this case was not a senior. The victim was a 45-year-old licensed clinical social worker named Jamie. And by the way, according to this article, despite the perception that seniors are more likely to be victimized, it's actually people ages 18 to 44 who fall prey more often to these scams. That's interesting because I've heard that seniors get a lot of scams and are scammed a lot, but that the younger group that you just mentioned, they lose more money. And I believe it's because they do so much online. How did this start? Well, it was Father's Day and the victim was driving back to her apartment in San Francisco after visiting her family. She got this message on her phone from someone claiming to be calling from the San Mateo County sheriff's office about a legal matter. Now, that wasn't surprising to her because Jamie deals with legal issues involving some of her clients. Well, that does make sense because she's a clinical social worker, which is maybe something that the scammers knew before they targeted her. Well, as it turns out, that's true. Many other people in this profession have been targeted. So Jamie went home and answered the call, and that is when the nightmare started. The caller said he was Lieutenant Timothy Reed, and he asked Jamie why she had failed to come and testify at trial after signing a subpoena saying that she'd appear. Now, apparently, there was an order to arrest her for contempt of court. And so far, this sounds just like the jury duty scam that we've talked about before. That's right. But Jamie was concerned because she'd been subpoenaed in the past as an expert witness as a part of her work. And she knew that this could affect the status of her license. Well, of course, that makes sense. And so she was probably very worried because she needs her license to work. What did she do? Well, she told the man that she'd never received a sub. And he said, well, you need to come to Redwood City to sign your name and prove that your signature has been forged. And once that you've done that, then you can be on your way. That's what he told her. 
Well, that does sound reasonable. Did she do anything else to check out the story before heading down there? She did. She Googled the caller's name, Lieutenant Timothy Reed, and the Redwood City address that he gave her. And sure enough, there was an officer by that name. And that was the address for the sheriff's office. So the scammer had done his homework. That's right. The caller told Jamie that this was a federal case. The judge had issued a gag order, so he couldn't really say anything more about it. But he had the authority to bring her in and clear up the matter, but she would need to post bail. And once she did post bail, she'd be reimbursed when they proved that her signature was, in fact, forged. Once again, very much like the jury duty scams that we've talked about before. How much bail did she need to post? Well, he told her $6,000. She said she didn't have that kind of money. And he said, so helpful, that he could tell her how to get it. And once again, she'd be reimbursed as soon as she got to the station. Oh, he was very helpful, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes. And did any bells go off at that point? Uh, yes. And Jamie said, you know, I'd like to call a friend of mine who's a lawyer, but the guy on the line was firm. He said, look, once you're on the phone with me, you're not allowed to get off because you are considered a flight risk. The phone call is being monitored and you're not allowed to make any calls about this case because it's in violation of the gag order. Man, he had an answer for everything. That's right. And the scammer also told her that she shouldn't call the police because she'd be taken into custody and held at least 72 hours before the warrant could be lifted. He told her she shouldn't set foot on police property until she had posted that bond. She must have been so frightened. She was. And Patty, she believed him because she remembered her clients who were forced to spend time behind bars when they couldn't post bail. So it all made sense. Yeah. What did she do then? Well, she did as she was instructed. She was home. So she got dressed, took two forms of identification and a manila envelope. Now, she didn't have time to eat dinner, so she was hungry and scared, making her even more vulnerable. She then went on a nightmare search for money, all the time with the scammer on the phone directing her. He first had her go withdraw up to her limit at the ATM. And he had her up the amount that she could withdraw to $1,500. Then he instructed her to go to various stores to buy gift cards. Again, our big red flag. He told her to put the package in the mail with the gift cards, but first to read him the numbers off the back of the cards. He had her do this several times until she had actually accumulated the $6,000, always sending her to different mailboxes, which was kind of strange. So I guess once he had the numbers, he didn't need the actual cards. Gosh, it sounds like he really had her on an emotional tightrope. She said one minute he was helpful and the next minute he was striking fear into her. And it was really psychological manipulation, which she can see now. He kept talking the entire time. And so she couldn't think. At 11 o'clock that night, she was finally done. But this wasn't all. He told her that now she needed to go to the sheriff's office, but he warned her that when she got there, she would be strip searched, including a cavity search, which he described in graphic detail. And since there were no female deputies on duty then, he would have to do it himself. 
Now, at that point, she completely broke down and said there was absolutely no way she could do that. Gosh. Did she start to have doubts at this point? Yes, and at different points during this whole saga. But when she would express those doubts, the scammer always had a plausible answer. Once, when she was in Rite Aid buying these gift cards, the clerk flipped her a pre-printed flyer asking her, are you the victim of a scam? And it listed common scams, including the jury duty scam. She then questioned the scammer who said, listen, I'm going to call you back from my desk phone. He did call her back, but when he did, he spoofed the number of the sheriff's office. So once again, she was convinced. So when did she realize that it was a scam? Well, back to the strip search. The scammer said that this absolutely had to happen. And if she didn't want to come into the office, now this part is unbelievable. She could go into a bathroom at Rite Aid and disrobe, do the search herself while he watched her on the phone and told her what to do. This is so unbelievable, Vicki. I mean, he got the money that he was asking for. He got the numbers, but that wasn't good enough for him. He was a sexual predator as well as a scammer. It's just disgusting. That's right. And of course, by this time, she was absolutely out of her mind. So she went into CVS begging the manager to let her go into a closed bathroom, saying it was an emergency. And once she was inside, She was so distressed, she just couldn't do it. And she decided to go to the sheriff's office and just let him do the search. But when she drove by the sheriff's office, which by now is late at night, she saw that the office was closed. She called the scammer back to say, hey, what's going on? He didn't answer. That's when she knew. You said this scam was targeting therapists. It seems strange. Again, I know I said this before, but that they would target therapists who understand psychology. Why on earth would they target therapists? Well, the threat to a therapist's license is a powerful motivator because their livelihood depends on it. Also, therapists tend to be empathetic, and that's something that can be easily exploited by a clever scammer. Like this victim said, He held me hostage with his words. I never expected a call on a Sunday night to be from a sociopath. And he had a whole rhythm of working me up into a state where I couldn't think straight. He would be nice and then scare me again. And she describes this as triggering her fight, freeze, and fawn response. So to further explain how this could happen, here's a quote from a UCLA psychology professor who studies scams, and here's what he said. Grifters, scammers, are amateur psychologists. And this is from Alan Castle, a UCLA psychology professor who studied scams for his book, Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging. And he went on to say they understand that people respond to social influences, especially to authority. They know people don't use all their cognitive resources when they are stressed. They know that if you can rush people, scare them, they'll become hyper-focused on trying to solve the problem. So fraudsters create a powerful situation that induces compliance. So this guy said he was calling from the San Mateo County Sheriff's Office about a legal matter. And that wasn't surprising to this victim because she deals with legal issues involving her client. 
Another article from another therapist says that there's a whole rhythm to what these fraudsters do. See sign between negative and positive emotions, such as fear and friendliness, which is a classic gaslighting technique. And swindlers invoke authority to give themselves credibility. So fear or the promise of a huge reward places you into a less deliberative mindset because your emotions are invoked. And this is from Stacy Wood, another professor of psychology at Scripps College. And another tactic saying, here's a problem and here's a solution. And we all want a quick fix when we're in a bind. So Patty, as I said in the very beginning, there is a scam for everybody. And it's just a matter of these fraudsters figuring out how to push your buttons. That's so true, Vicki. And we can't say that enough because I think, as you've so often said, people who get victimized are often embarrassed and they don't want to tell their story. So thankfully, this therapist shared her story so that we can put the warning out for other people. Please don't be embarrassed. It can happen to anyone. These are really con artists who psychologically have figured out so much on how they can scare people to death to get what they want. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Vicki. I can't wait to see what you tell us about next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Patty. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.